You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation, and welcome to Locked on Saints, brought to you by the Locked on Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host, covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it every single Monday through Friday. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com. Welcome, as always, to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the jump. Houdet family, and welcome into today's episode, the Crossover Wednesday episode of Locked on Saints. We're going to start off first with our lead story of the day, just you and me, and we're going to go over each of the roster moves the Saints made on Tuesday, including the return of an old friend that might signify something interesting about how much Teddy and Taysom we see on Sunday. Then you'll hear from Locked on Seahawks host Corbin Smith and I previewing Sunday's matchup in Seattle. And I'm going to be honest, I stuck with my pick that the Saints wouldn't walk out of this game with a W in the traditional sense. But after talking to Corbin, I think I'm actually feeling a little bit more confident than I did before. So you won't want to miss this. We got all that and a little bit of lanyard for you on today's Crossover Wednesday episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. Roster moves, roster moves, roster moves was the theme of the Saints' very busy Tuesdays. Let's run through each of these. I'll give you a little bit of my thoughts on them and what they should tell you about the Saints coming up on this big game against Seattle. And it's a big game because we're about to learn a lot about the Saints franchise moving forward in terms of what the Saints have in their pocket when it comes to quarterbacks after Drew Brees. So let's start off here with Taylor Stallworth, who was waived. Uh, on Tuesday. He's an undrafted free agent in his second year. He made the roster as an undrafted rookie last year with eight tackles, one quarterback hit, a sack, and a tackle for a loss. A lot of this has to do with Shai Tuttle, who's played very well. We've talked about him a few times here on the podcast. He's got three total pressures in his rotational role on only 24 pass rush snaps. So he's putting pressure on the quarterback at a pretty nice rate, especially for a guy that's an undrafted free agent coming in that no one really knew about. Stallworth, on the other hand, so far this season, had put together one hurry altogether with 16 pass rushing snaps, but also had a missed tackle. I think, too, that this signifies that Rankins may be on his way back soon. A lot of people were targeting weeks four through six. We're getting closer and closer to that timeline. So moving on from Stallworth at this point makes sense, and it does open up a roster spot. But we'll come back to that. Keith Kirkwood was also moved to injured reserve. Uh, He has a hamstring injury, and we know how hamstring injuries go. It's a matter of when, not if, they'll be be re-injured. Uh, he only played five total passing snaps in the Houston game and ended up being injured before the Los Angeles game began and then turned inactive. Austin Carr was activated in his absence for that game. Carr would be the immediate replacement for Kirkwood, at least in a rotational role, because Traquan Smith has actually contributed quite a bit from the slot. We'll talk about more of that in a second because there's not really been a word yet on Traquan Smith's injury. But with Keith Kirkwood heading to injured reserve, that also opens up a spot on the active roster. And they have not filled those spots yet. The next ad that we're going to talk about is actually on the practice squad. And so there's still two open spots on the Saints roster. I wouldn't be surprised to see them elevate either Lil Jordan Humphrey or Emmanuel Butler this week, nor would I be surprised to see them elevate a third tight end or even sign a third tight end off the street to open up Taysom Hill, who we learned earlier today, per my speculation. And then a little bit later, we figured out from Sean Payton that he's going to have a pretty increased role at the quarterback position. 
position. But uh, let's stick with these roster moves real quick, and then we'll come back to that. JT Barrett returns to the practice squad. He was released and signed 23 times last season from the practice squad, and he was released earlier this year. But now the old friend is back. And there's some quarterback security there over the next couple of weeks in case of injury. But this is what I was referencing when I was talking about Taysom Hill and Sean Payton's statements earlier. I started to speculate this on Twitter earlier today, but I really just started thinking and pondering about why bring JT Barrett back to the practice squad when you have two open spots on the roster and what that would mean. So to me, it could signify a pretty heavy dose of Taysom Hill at quarterback because otherwise, why not bring JT Barrett to your active roster to serve as your backup reserve quarterback instead of just having him come back onto the practice squad? So I started to think about whether or not JT Barrett being brought back to the practice squad signified that he was going to be doing a lot of work with the scout team over the week to help the defense get their practice in while Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill focus on installing their offense. Well, this morning, Coach Payton on his conference call with the local media stated that he'll approach the game with two quarterbacks, that they're going to have the right plan relative to what those guys are going to be doing. And then with Rod Walker of The Advocate followed up asking whether or not they were going to limit Taysom Hill's usage in other utility positions since he's going to be the number two quarterback. Sean Payton responded simply, you're assuming he's the number two. So this is getting a little wild in terms of what it is that Sean Payton is wanting to do with this team. And it's so fun to watch. And you've heard me say it here. You'll hear it later on again in the crossover episode. But this is the first time since 2006 the Saints are going to be putting a product on the field that no one's been able to scout. No one knows what's coming and no one knows what to expect. And Sean Payton is riding with it and thinks he could take advantage of the Seahawks. Nobody's laying down here. They're looking for a W. So when it comes to what JT Barrett is doing uh, on this practice squad, I assume he's there to lead the scout team. And Sean Payton kind of confirmed a little bit of what I was expecting when it comes to what we're going to see with these uh, with these two quarterbacks. Use them both, get them out there, mix up the game plan. So lots going on and a lot you can tell just from some simple roster moves here. So very exciting to see. Uh, in order to make room for JT Barrett on the practice squad, Terrell Williams was released. And then well, let's take a quick look real quick before we wrap up here at the potential moves that were floating about. There's no update on Traquan Smith's status, but Kirkwood being sent to IR at least sets up the expectation that Smith will not be because he would have been sent already and he will miss minimal time if any. He's been really valuable and his usage this year has been different from last year. Mentioned he's contributed from the slot 67.3 of his snaps 37 of 55 from the slot so far this year. In 2018 only 29.8% of his snaps from the slot 95 on 319 came from that position. There's also not been any update yet on Andrus Pete and at the moment we know that Drew Brees will have his surgery this afternoon and the plan is not to put him on injured reserve. Putting him on injured reserve would limit him to not being able to come back for eight weeks. So this keeps the timeline of an estimated six weeks well within grasp. So lots of interesting things happening surrounding the Saints roster and how it is that they plan to approach Sunday's game against the Seahawks. If you want to hear a little bit more about that, stick around. Coming up, we've got our crossover Wednesday segments with Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks previewing Sunday's matchup in Seattle. But first, you can't find a workout that keeps you engaged. Well, Peloton has an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always help keep you coming back. Get $100 off of accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get started. Guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen, 
sign up. It's BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready to go whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since BlueChew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal just for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the special promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Cappy Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith, host of Locked On Seahawks. Thrilled to be joined by Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. We'll open with the Seahawks offense versus the Saints defense. Then we'll come back in the third quarter, flipping the script a little bit. The Seahawks on defense against the Saints on offense. Uh, Glad to be working with you here, Ross. An exciting game coming up at CenturyLink Field. Absolutely, man. Glad to finally be able to do this one with you. This is our first one. This is our first crossover. And, you know, the Saints and Seahawks have a little bit of a history. So it's kind of surprising we haven't been able to do this before. But glad to be able to jump on with you, man. Love the work that y'all do. Yeah, this is going to be an exciting game, even though there is something that dampers it a little bit for the Saints. I, I, w- I don't know about you, but I was really looking forward to Wilson versus Breeze. They've had some great matches in the past, and it's been a few years since these two teams played against one another. So that's something we'll touch on a bunch uh, later in the show, what the, what the Saints are going to do to try to adjust with without having Breeze in the lineup. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater expected to get the start. So we'll look at that later. But first, let's talk Seahawks offense against the Saints defense. And New Orleans has had some major issues slowing down the running game, especially in the season opener against the Texans. They gave up 180 rushing yards, 7.8 yards per carry. It it seems to me that the biggest problem right now is no Sheldon Rankins in the middle of that defensive line coming back from a torn Achilles. Uh, How much has that impacted the Saints front line when it comes to defending the run? Uh, I mean, it's huge. It's huge for the Saints just in terms of being able to to defend, uh, particularly in the run game. They improved a little bit when it came to their game against the uh, against the Rams on Sunday. Still gave up over 100 yards, so 115 rushing yards total there. And uh, but you know they they knocked the clip down a little bit. At least they weren't over seven yards per carry. They were at 3.8. And you know that had to do a lot with David Onyemata returning. He's a big boost for them. But really, until Sheldon Rankins comes back, you can look at that defensive interior, particularly in the run game as a little bit of a uh, of a weakness for the Saints and definitely a matchup for the Seattle Seahawks to exploit. I mean, this is a Seattle Seahawks team that led the league last year in rushing yards per game. They have a big emphasis on the ground. You're seeing it already this year as well. So I look at this as a big time opportunity for the Seahawks to be able to turn the clock, to be able to get those tough yards and then keep the Saints offense off the field, even though Drew Brees isn't there, keeping them off the field and keeping Sean Payton away from affecting the game is, I imagine, one of those things that sits atop the game plan for Seattle. But you've got to be feeling good about the run game this week for for the Seahawks. 
Oh, absolutely. Especially the way that they were able to get things churning in Pittsburgh, especially in the second half. And Rashad Penny with an explosive 37-yard touchdown run, one of the filthiest cuts you'll see to make a defender miss the line of scrimmage. That's what this kid is capable of. Just having We've only seen spurts of his ability on the field. He has struggled a lot since they brought him in as a first-round pick out of San Diego State. But a big-time talent. Chris Carson, obviously a a capable runner between the tackles, explosive athlete in his own right, uh, can catch the football. Both these guys can catch the ball out of the backfield and the Seahawks have made that a bigger emphasis this year so ball security has been a little bit of an issue for Carson lately but uh, he rebounded from a tough stretch last year on I'm anticipating he's going to do that this year too so I think the Seahawks are definitely going to go into this game if Sheldon Rankins isn't out there they're going to be taking advantage of that by trying to get that physical ground game going and they're going to really try to emphasize establish that run game early and though they had a lot of success with their quick passing game I think this could also be a game even though the Saints have a lot of talent in their secondary a lot of young talent in that secondary they have had some trouble these first couple weeks giving up some explosive pass plays downfield Mm -hmm. I have to believe if Seattle gets that ground game going a little bit with Carson Penny maybe CJ Procise gets in the mix there as well Uh, they can get the run game going and they're able to pass protect well enough on play action they can get those downfield strikes to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf man what an impressive rookie receiver DK Metcalf is so far 150 receiving yards got his first touchdown last week against the Steelers the Seahawks if you get Tyler Lockett and Metcalf with the football they can make things happen just in a different way Metcalf will just pull over your guys (laughs) and Tyler Lockett will just make a mess and then go I guess my big question for you though talking about that secondary clearly some talent there's been some struggles how much will having a quality pass rush help here? I mean, I was looking at the last couple of games. The Saints have several guys that can get to the quarterback. We know Cameron Jordan's one of the best out there, but Trey Hendrickson, three sacks the first two games. Marcus Davenport gets a sack, a player that I really loved in the pre-draft process a couple of years mm-hmm, ago, kind of mm-hmm. struggled as a rookie, but looks like he may be coming into his own. That could maybe be where the Saints can turn the tide of this game defensively. Yeah, that's going to be a huge part of it. I mean, you look at the Saints right now who are, if, you, if you're a believer in PFF grades, they're the top pass rushing grade right now among, amongst the NFL mm-hmm. and amongst NFL clubs. They're looking great in terms of what they've been able to do. You know, they gathered over 29 pressures uh, just amongst themselves, uh, amongst, you know, five of those guys uh it's been incredible for them to be able to bring that in and 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 do that and and it's interesting because it's mainly been the front four it's not been them relying on a ton of blitzes or anything like that so it's the dichotomy between how effective they've been in the pass rush but how ineffective they've been in the run game or proven that they can be in the run game particularly uh, up the interior is 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 striking it's certainly striking and it, it brings a little bit of a concern but to go back to the secondary for a second i look at this matchup for the saints as being akin to what they experienced in week one against the Houston Texans. You have the speedster on the opposite side with Tyler Lockett, a la Will Fuller, who gave Eli Apple a lot of trouble during that game, as well as being able to work within the slot. And then you also had uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who fits a little bit more, who, let me say, who uh, DK Metcalf fits a little bit more of that mold in terms of not needing to create separation. He could just go over the top of you. You saw him also give Marshawn Lattimore a little bit of trouble. You know, before the big 38-yard catch at the near the end of the game, Marshawn Lattimore or only give up given up 15 yards to him but still you got to play all 60 of those minutes right so you got to get out there and you have to be able to achieve that and so it's a it's it's a matchup like what they've experienced before but one of the big things that's going to work in the Saints favor is that the slot isn't going to be as much of an emphasis last week with Cooper Cup he tore them up from the slot and with DeAndre Hopkins being able to work in the slot as well and the Seattle Seahawks just like 
31 other NFL teams utilize the slot, but their big guys are on the outside. And so at least the Saints can focus on providing the safety help that they need and get that perimeter locked down a little bit more in the hopes of being able to slow down the passing game. Are they going to be able to do it? Corbin, I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> That's the big thing is we don't know yet. Going off what you're talking about with the slot thing, that there's a couple of intriguing storylines going into this game for the Seahawks receiving core mm-hmm. that are away from Lockett and Metcalf. The most notable being that David Moore has a good chance to play this week. Mm-hmm. He's been out with a broken humerus bone. Moore actually was getting some work in the slot during mm-hmm. the offseason with, with Doug Baldwin now being retired. They were giving him work there to make him more versatile. They've got a seventh-round pick in John Ursua. They've got some guys there and I think the other thing with David Moore last year he did his damage on the outside you can slide Tyler Lockett into the slot more with David Moore being back in the lineup I I do think Moore returning if he's able to play in this game could have more of an impact than many people are realizing and maybe that makes things a little bit more challenging for the Saints but as you said Doug Baldwin is not in the slot anymore so that certainly helps but I am really intrigued by seeing the Lattimore versus Metcalf matchup I really that to me might be one of the matchups of this game and, and obviously Lockett, if if Eli Apple has to go against him or whatever the matchups end up being. But at the same time, both those guys can also create turnovers. So with the way that quick passing game was humming, we'll see. We'll see what they decide to do in this game. Certainly the pass rush for the Saints is probably the thing I'm most worried about, especially mm-hmm. off the edge. They've got the dudes to get after Russell Wilson. And Seattle's offensive line hasn't shown these first few games. That would be the biggest mismatch for me for Seattle's offense going into this game. That outside pass rush that you're building to get mm-hmm. to Russell Wilson. If they could do that, then it doesn't matter if Lockett and Metcalf are getting a, getting separation downfield. Russell Wilson's not going to be able to get the football to them. So that, to me, is going to be a really big deciding factor in this football game. Yeah, absolutely. The Saints pass rush has opened up as the best in the NFL early on this season. Small sample size, but still a lot of reasons to be excited for Saints fans as well as the Saints organization. Sorry, y'all. Coming up, we're going to flip the script here. We're going to go Saints offense versus the Seattle defense. We'll talk quarterbacks. We'll talk with that Seattle defense actually looks like got all that coming up for you but first look you're coming up here at the end of a very long week and it's great to just sit down take some time off watch some football and there's nothing more exciting than the nfl and there's no better way to make those games even more exciting than to bet on them so do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag no one gives you more ways to win than they do mybookie is the fastest payouts as well and they carry the better lines than any other sportsbook don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on and mybookie.ag is the best in the business and that's where I bet that's where you should be betting too I wouldn't tell you to bet there if they weren't the absolute best so do the right thing if you're gonna bet this football season bet with my bookie and if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot try a parlay if all of your picks come through you'll multiply your winnings no matter how you bet the NFL season is the best time of the year to do it join now and my bookie will double your first deposit just use the promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n to activate that offer that's promo code locked on Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, y'all, moving along in our crossover Wednesday, Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints, joined here by Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks. The Saints, of course, we got to start off with the big story with the Saints missing out on their quarterback, Drew Brees, for the next six weeks. We're talking Saints offense versus Seattle defense. Teddy Bridgewater's coming in. We're going to talk a little bit about Taysom Hill as well, but Teddy Bridgewater's the guy. So when you look at what types of changes and the type of uh, game plan that the Saints are going to be coming in here with, what are some of the things that are standing out for you when you think about the Seattle Seahawks defense match? up with the Saints offense. 
So I, I really, I'm curious what the Saints are going to be doing with Outbreeze under center in terms of receivers away from Michael Thomas. And obviously Alvin Kamara is an incredible talent out of the backfield. But this might be the biggest thing that I'm looking for in this football game. Mm-hmm. How do the Seahawks defend him? Because up to this point, the season opener against the Bengals, their three linebackers, Wagner, KJ Wright, Michael Kendricks, were on the field for 90% of the snaps. I mean, they were in base defense almost the entire time. In today's NFL, that's unheard of. I'm just curious how Seattle is going to try to defend against him, especially because they've had some trouble in the past against really good running backs out of the backfield and tight ends as well. Jared Cook could be another big factor in this game. Yeah, you're certainly hoping that he is. And look, if the Seattle Seahawks come out there and they play in that base defense, that might be best case scenario for the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is getting his first start in, what, five years? Because it would allow him to make those reads pretty quick and figure out what it is pre-snap. All those things that Drew Brees does very well, that Teddy Bridgewater is still learning in the Saints offense, sets him up for a little bit more success. You need Jared Cook to step up. He's not been the factor that we've expected him to be so far early on in this season within those first two games. But he does have a little bit more of a rapport with Teddy Bridgewater. We've seen them work together a lot during training camp and they connected very well, as did uh, Jared Cook with Drew Brees. Don't get me wrong, but we did see Teddy Bridgewater lean on Jared Cook throughout training camp and throughout those practices. Some of those bottom of the roster guys, those lower roster guys like Austin Carr, who could potentially be seeing some action this week, depending on, you know, Keith Kirkwood was a, was a scratch right before the game. But if Keith Kirkwood is going to see some extended timeout, Austin Carr steps up and he's effective in the slot for the Saints. And he has a good rapport with Teddy Bridgewater because they worked together a ton throughout the preseason as well as throughout training camp. Same same thing with Traquan Smith. He's looked pretty good within these first couple of games, but he has an ankle injury. And so if he ends up also being out, it could mean that the Saints end up promoting one of these younger guys from the practice squad, such as uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey or perhaps Emmanuel Butler, who was the training camp darling this year. Those are two other names that Teddy Bridgewater has a ton of experience with working throughout training camp, working with those second and third teams. And so that would be a plus for Teddy Bridgewater to get those guys that he already has established a little bit of chemistry with fit into a game plan that is built for him by Sean Payton. And this is the first time since 2006 that the Saints and Sean Payton are going to be marching out an offensive game plan that no one has seen before. How do you feel about, how confident are you in the Seattle secondary about making sure that those receivers aren't able to create that separation to make it just a little bit harder on Teddy Bridgewater? I think you've seen some improvement from the two outside corners. Shaquille Griffin's had a really great start to the season. He's running blazing speed out there, which is going to be big in this football game against those mm-hmm. guys, especially. I mean, Ted Ginn is not an elite receiver, but he can get you downfield still. Right. Certainly, he's made a nice step forward. Trey Flowers, his second year, it's it's been a little more inconsistent these first two games, though. I think those two guys, the Steelhawks, are going to be confident that they can handle Michael Thomas. And, I mean, mm-hmm. Michael Thomas is going to get his catches. You know yeah. he's going to make his plays. They want to limit those explosives and that's where this whole free safety issue comes into play to me that is still the biggest weakness on this Seahawks roster right now Uh, they've had issues with that position last week they had Bradley McDougal playing free safety and uh, Lano Hill was in the lineup playing strong safety and he even had a few plays where he was back deep so uh, he played better than what Thompson did the week before did give a big play on a flea flicker so 
that to me is an area that every team they play right now is, this is why I was hoping Minka Fitzpatrick was somebody to see off right. to go out and get. <laughs> they do have a kid named Marquise Blair, second round pick out of Utah that they uh-huh. really like. They've been unsure about him being ready to go. He's had some injuries, hasn't gotten the reps out there in the preseason they hope for, but I would anticipate that Lano Hill and McDougal are going to be the starters. And that to me is the weakest link for the Seahawks. To me, the biggest thing I got to ask you though, continuing to revolve around the quarterback position. Uh-huh. What is it going to take to get Taysom Hill an extended look? And it gets to, I'm going to be honest. I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan, but Taysom Hill, his ability to run the football scares me what is it going to take for him to get an extended shot and really how much do you expect to see him in this game anyway i'm thinking they're going to find ways to get him back there in this football game yeah and you know speaking of a guy that's got some great chemistry with some of those bottom of the roster guys i mean Taysom hill has worked with everyone literally everyone on this team so that's a big advantage for him i think honestly in terms of seeing him take over as quarterback that would probably take maybe a first half blowout uh, in the Seattle Seahawks favor. I think that for the most part, as long as the Saints are in the game and they're in conversation to win, because even even though Drew Brees is out, they're going to try to win games. They're not laying down. You know what I mean? I know a lot of Saints fans feel like that might be the route to go, but that's not the route to go at all. And so you want to win as There's many still of these still way games. too much talent to yeah. be doing. Yeah, absolutely. They're still very much in conversation for a playoff run when Drew Brees returns if you win one game out of the six games that he's gone. But that aside, uh, I think that that, that's really the only time you're really going to see Taysom come in and take over. However, you will see him during this game more than you saw him against the Rams at the quarterback position. In fact, you didn't see him at all against the Rams at the quarterback position, which kind of shocked me because even when Drew Brees is there, he at least gets a handful of snaps there to introduce some zone reads, some RPOs, things like that. But I think you're going to see him more than you usually see him with Drew Brees sprinkled into this game plan with Teddy Bridgewater. And because of that, it's going to kind of lessen a little bit of his Swiss Army knife uh, capabilities that he has And it adds there. another thing Seattle has to account for game plan wise. And that's the most important part. You saw last week, the Saints didn't gain anything from having Taysom Hill in that Swiss Army knife role and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. So you put him in a position to where he can affect the game and can swing some momentum you put him out into the center and you let him make a couple of plays and you give the Seahawks a headache in terms of okay now what do we do how do we how do we deal with this wrinkle and then jump back to you know the more traditional pocket passer that Teddy Bridgewater is I'm really curious to see how this all plays out just because I'm thinking from a defensive coordinator standpoint you know having two quarterbacks they say if you have two quarterbacks you don't have one but in in this instance where your starting quarterback is hurt Mm-hmm. I have to believe if you're the Saints that you're licking your licks, lips a little bit about the idea of I can have two different offenses here for the Seahawks to try to have to deal with here with yeah. Teddy Bridgewater being more of a pocket passer. And maybe we can run more of the concepts that we do with Drew Brees out there. And then we can turn around and we can put Taysom Hill in there that can throw the football, but he also creates a lot of issues because of his ability to run the ball, the read option, RPOs, all those things. It Really, the Seahawks are going to have to have two separate defensive uh, game plans for when those two are rotating. And maybe it's not as complicated as I'm making it sound, but certainly two totally different quarterbacks there. And seeing them in the same game with the talent that they've got around those guys – it's not a situation where you know the quarterback made the offense complete. I mean, they've right. got some really good skill players 
And so it doesn't matter which one of those guys out there at quarterback necessarily. They've still got some pieces that those guys can rely on, and it just it just creates headaches for defensive coordinators. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of pieces out there for them and a lot of talent surrounding them so that they can still find some success no matter who is under center. So hopefully that's what it's going to be for the Saints this coming week. But let's go ahead and do some quick predictions, just a quick score. Uh, the uh, spread is set at Seattle minus four and a half. Who are you taking and what are you thinking? I'm going to go with 30 to 27. I I think Hmm. it's going to be a fairly high scoring affair. I think there will be some points to the board. I think the Seahawks are going to have to because I still think the Saints are going to be able to move the football with Bridgewater and Hill in the game. But I think the difference maker is that Russell Wilson's in the lineup, maybe one additional touchdown compared to field goals. And that's the difference in this football game. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, I'm I'm essentially with you, actually. I, I actually had the Saints losing this game with Drew Brees. It's just tough. And so uh, I'm going to stick with that. And I'm going to go here because I think a win is redefined for the Saints. Big part of this is also just seeing what Teddy Bridgewater can be for the Saints. So I'm going to keep this one closer. I'm going to take the under on it, but I'm going to go uh, 24. I was going to go 24-20 for this one. Uh, so I, I also don't have them covering, but I do give Seattle the W for this one. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being here today. Make sure you stick around for the rest of the week. Things just got a lot more exciting with Sean Payton acknowledging a possible two-quarterback system going into Sunday. This is going to be wild, and petty Sean Payton is on the loose. It's the fun time of the season already, despite the fact that something horrible has happened to the franchise. So we'll come back. We'll cover all of that for the rest of the week and get you ready for Sunday's game against the Seahawks. But for right now, I'll say, as I always do, thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And be sure, if you have not already, go ahead and subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. Thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints. And trust who that nation. I'll holla at you.